Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Well, hello, listeners. Here we are for another episode of our Perimenopause Power podcast. And hello, Lisa. Hi, Nat. How are you going today? Really great. And even more excited, we have a fabulous guest in Nicole Avery. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Nat. How are you both going? We're good. Fabulous. And we are pretty excited to have you on to talk about yourself and your story. And perhaps before we get started, let's paint a bit of a picture around who you are and uh, you're a Melbourne-based mum to five kids aged 22 to 12. You've been working online for 10 years growing planning with kids and I know Lisa you've been familiar with Nicole's work Mm -hmm. with playing with kids to be one of Australia's most popular parenting blogs. Um, Through your work you interact with mums online and through your own personal journey you've really come to appreciate that what we eat, what we drink, can have a huge impact on how we feel, what we do, and how we show up for ourselves and our families. And, you know, you definitely speak our language. Uh, look, I, I, it's I, like-minded people. So I was very excited to, to chat to you both about that today because I think that um, women helping women is a big passion of mine and you guys with what you've set up with, um, you know, Own Your, Own Your, Own Your Own Health Collective is uh, right along with what I'm trying to do as well. Fantastic. So, Nicole, maybe we might just kick into it and I might ask you the first question. Yep. Tell us a bit about yourself um, and your perimenopause story. Yeah, okay. So, like, I've got a big milestone birthday this year. Uh, So, we'll be turning 50. Um, And it's super interesting because, like, I think I would say probably up until about maybe 18 months ago, I didn't even really know perimenopause was a thing. I just thought, you know, I just thought of menopause as the thing that you know it happens and that's the big thing and didn't realize that the whole lead-up period is as long as it possibly could be and and I think it's probably been the last 12 months that I've noticed a few changes in myself and my health and and in terms of perimenopause coming on and and that's made me um, want to learn more. So that's uh, one of the reasons why I like listening to you ladies, um, because I think there's such a lack of knowledge out there on this subject and people don't talk about it very much. I think that's starting to change with the help of people like yourself. But for me personally, I think I've sort of probably just starting. So the last, I'd say more so the last six months. So there's a few things that I've started to notice in myself and um one was that um, I always had a va- rather longer cycle and it was not actually a very regular cycle, uh, menstrual cycle, and it's actually got shorter and more regular, um, which is interesting. And it's sort of like, oh, come on, this is annoying. But um, I can see what it's doing. I know its purpose is, and so I understand that a bit more. Um, and the probably the biggest thing that I've noticed, like I haven't had any hot flushes or any of those sorts of things, but the biggest thing that um, – I've really probably worked out is I've actually become way more conscious of where I am in my cycle. And what I notice is in um, the last half, as I lead up into um, menstruation, is that my sleep is really, it gets affected. So I think that's the biggest thing that I notice. So it's the sort of from when I've got my period to sort of past ovulation, I sleep really well. I always fall asleep brilliantly, but I find in the second half of my cycle, I will often wake up like an hour or two before my alarm. I know I'm an early riser 
and then often can struggle to go back to sleep, which is um, totally frustrating. And um, but I've the, now that I've tuned into a bit, I've started to give myself a few strategies. Like I normally will often use like a yoga nidra at, in my bed, like lying down when I go to sleep or a meditation. And I've sort of got a few things. If I'm finding that I'm having a difficult period at night of going back to sleep when I've woken up, I don't just lie there anymore, just counting sheep and trying to think, what am I going to do? I literally go, okay, it's been 15 minutes. I need to go put on that. And I find that that really helps. And that's made a lot of difference um, because once you get awake and especially if like, like this morning, morning it's a classic example um I actually woke up four my alarm was going off five it's just like oh that's just the pits because it's only got an hour now what am I going to do with myself so um you know I've found not getting so and what I've also noticed too is that like it's a when you get lack of sleep it becomes a whole mindset thing about lack of sleep and and I actually heard um, someone talking about that, you know, it's okay to wake up in the middle of the night and go back to sleep. And that's that's still all right. Like when you're waking up for long periods of time. So I start to remind myself when I wake up, this is not the end of the world. You know, I, I can go back to sleep. It's all going to be okay. So the other, probably only other thing I've had perimenopause wise, which I've heard some, I don't, haven't read a lot about, but um, I'm losing a lot of hair. So I don't know if that's a thing that anyone else is familiar with, but I find like I brush my hair in the morning. And I literally have to sweep my bathroom floor up to, to pick up all the hair that I'm losing. But um, I'm sort of enjoying this part of the journey because it's making me listen to my body a lot more. And I've probably not always been great at doing that. And because I know I can struggle with sleep towards the end of my cycle, I've really prioritized getting to bed at a really good hour because I know if I can get that big chunk of sleep before midnight and, you know, early as the morning, that I'll be okay. Even if I have a wakeful night, I'm still going to manage and not be like the grumpy, you know, snappy mum that sometimes you turn into when you don't have sleep. Can I say... Nicole, as you were talking through that, I'm ticking all these things off in my head because I've been there. So I'm due to turn 52 shortly. And um, I I knew when my, and I, I haven't had a period for a few months. So, you know, maybe I'm on the way to that one day of menopause. Who knows? It could come back and I'll have to start the countdown all over again. But at the moment, I, um, you know, previously when I was menstruating, I knew I was close to actually you know, my, my period coming because I'm a really, really good sleeper and a deep sleeper, but I would find it really hard some, some nights going to sleep. And like, initially I sort of thought, what's going on here? Like, this is so not me, but it is a thing. Absolutely. That, um, you know, staying awake. And I think you make a really good point around, um, you know, not letting it stress you out and, you know, get getting perturbed by it. So often I would just, you know, if I woke up or I was having trouble going to sleep, I would do some breathing. And obviously I'm lucky I've got Nat, who's obviously been able to help me with things like that. Um, so that breathing and, and the, the things that you talk about, how to manage it are really good. The hair thing, absolutely spot on. And I will say that I actually upped the zinc in my diet to help with things like that as well. Okay, so um, it's worthwhile getting your zinc checked as also. Um, so yeah, all really good points and really common. And I have to say, I love the fact that you touched on, you know, when you do wake up early that you don't lie there and, you know, yeah. and struggle and, and try and fight to go back to sleep, but rather you remove yourself. 
from the situation or, you know, from, um, from lying down. That is something, and I've actually been talking about that so much the last couple of weeks because I feel the disruption to sleep is something that's really um, happening for a lot of people for many different reasons. Um, but right now it seems to be very prevalent. And when I'm working with my one-to-one clients in my yoga meditation sessions, I've actually been talking to them about it, that, you know, if you do wake up and you can't get back to sleep, you know, get yourself out of bed and and do something, you know, even if it's, you know, lying down, legs up the wall or, you know, go into another room to, to do some breathing or even having your journal out and, and you know, taking some notes because our mind gets so full and um, when we're trying to get to sleep. So, yeah, you know, the fact that you said that, it just is ringing true for so many conversations I've had this week. Yeah, I know. And I know just speaking to, to women my age, they're, they're all the same. And I think also too, one of the things that I'm, I'm mindful of as well is um, to set myself up for a good night's sleep is if I've got, like I always at the end of my work day will write down what I'm working on the next day. And if there's anything that I think I want to work on, I'll write it all down. Because if I do wake up and I haven't done that, then I sit there and start to build these mental lists in my mind. And it's like, once I start that, the game is over and going back to sleep because then I'm starting solving all the problems of the world that I've got with my work and stuff that I want to do. It's, so. it's so funny. I was just chatting to Nat about that this morning about you know how important it is with that sleep routine and and actually parking your thoughts and you know that to-do list that's swimming around in your head because then you yeah. think oh, I'm not going to remember it in the morning and whether you're in perimenopause or not oh whatever my stage. life it's something that I really I park it on it on the list um for the next day so I know I'm thinking I'm not going to I'll remember that tomorrow because I've written that down so it's a really good tip the other thing I wanted to ask you actually and again you touched on this when you were just um, sharing your story was that you're embracing this phase of life mm. and, you know, that is just so powerful and that really just forms the whole basis of our work, our coaching work, but also the podcast too. And, you know, this podcast about finding your power, nurturing and using that personal power through perimenopause. So, you know, we'd love to know your take on, you know, coming into your power as a woman and, you know, more specifically coming into your power and embracing this phase of life. You know, how do you do that and, and what might that do for you? I think one of the things that I've really taken on the last couple of years is that I'm not living my life by what I should do. Um, I think we often live our life by our shoulds. Um, I want to live my life by what I want to do. And like, yes, there's certain commitments that I need to meet to other people and like my family and friends and work. But um, in terms of what control I have, and we have, we do have a lot of control over what we do with our time. I don't want to spend my time on the shoulds because the shoulds are when we're looking at someone else and somebody else is going off and somebody else is doing, you know, they might be doing Pilates. Oh, I should do Pilates. So you go and you do some Pilates or whatever happens to be. Um, I've really tried to focus on not what everyone else is doing, what is true to me, what is true to the goal and the purpose that I want in my life and, and really working towards that. And sort of embracing and bringing people in on the journey with me, but also too to understand that not everyone's where I am and that um, in different parts of your life that you have more time with other people and less time with other people. But um, so I'm trying to sort of also, you know, manage the the people around me that I want to spend more time with to bring them on. And instead of just saying, oh, I should really catch up with such and such. 
I'm not that I'm not catching up with lots of people, but I'm not doing it just because I should, I feel like I should, I'm doing it because I really want to. And I'm also not just, and I think one great thing about COVID was, is that I've never been a really big person. Let's just go have coffee. So, you know, catching up with people now has, I'm still, I'm, I'm remaining back into doing walks and active things because that feels better to me. Um, and I'm also very big on like, come over and like, you know, we'll have a cook up together. So we'll, you know, make some kimchi together and we'll be hands on and we'll be talking and enjoying it. And while I've, I've, tried not to worry about how weird that seems to other people because it's like oh that's a bit of a weird catch-up but people come and you do it with them and they love it and you have a good time so I'm sort of trying to you know I, I feel like in lots of ways I'm learning to capture my own energy and harness it because I find the more I'm doing things that I really want to do the more energy that I actually have. So it becomes more of a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy because people go how do you do it how do you have the energy or anything you know you run you do this you do that I do it because these are things I want to do. I don't see any of it as a chore. Sometimes it's hard. Like today, my running session was really hard and my face is probably still red from it. Um, but I wanted to do it. So that was okay. I'm not doing it because I think I should do it. I'm doing it because I want to do it. Mm. And that feeds in beautifully to, you know, Nat and I are always saying, do the things that you want to do. Um, and, you know, that's going to help you from a health point of view. And that's all about shooting, aren't you, Matt? So, oh, and it's amazing. Again, this has been a conversation yeah. um, highlight the last few weeks as well. That um, yeah, women in particular who have come to see us, you know, they've, they've said, "I'm just, I'm doing so many shoulds." And I, I do things that I want to do, but then I also think about, oh, how can I bring this person along with me? And then it doesn't work out because I've looked after their interests over my own interests. Yeah. And, and again, I always say that, you know, it's, it comes back to living life how you want to live life. And, you know, just because you don't want to do something that you feel, you know, it's not coming from a place of connection or that you want to do it. You can educate the people around you and you can be kind and loving and caring in saying no to things. It's about creating those boundaries and people get used to it and they actually respect you for it. And, and they also then sit up and look at, say, geez, you know, look at look at Nicole living life as she wants to. I, I want to take that and I want to follow that. And again, it just it feeds in beautifully why we are so um, aligned with the work that we do and, um, and you know, definitely our, our similar passions too. You know, and, you know, one thing that keeps swarming around my head over the last few months is that as women with, you know, all the advances that we've made, there's this thing around you can have it all. I actually, I really dislike that. I think we need to look at, because I think that puts a lot of shooting on, on women about what they think they should be doing. I think it's more about what Natalie and I are all about is you can live your best life. And what does that look like to you? not that you should feel like that you can have it all. Because you know what? I actually think sometimes it sets us up to fail because we feel like we should be doing this and we should be doing this with the kids and the kids should be doing that and we should be doing this at gym. And, you know, there's so much there. Um, it's a really good point. I think the have it all mentality just puts a lot of pressure on women. Absolutely. It really does. And you hear the version like which is along the lines of you can have it all but not at the same time and I think that's closer to the mark mm -hmm. like you definitely go in like you know with my work and my family and friends I will go into you know seasons where I just need to dedicate more time into one so like for me I don't ever see that my life is ever completely in balance at any point in time like right now but if I looked across the year it would be 
because, you know, I'd have times where I have to tilt towards my work because that's what's needed. But then like, for example, we, we talked about how February is a busy time before we started chatting every February, um, because I've learned in, in the past is that I don't overcommit for work in February because my family needs me then. I'm settling them back into school and depending on what, you know, sometimes we've got year seven kids, I've got a year 12 kid, whatever's happening, I have to tilt more towards family. And, you know, I, I, I can't do it all then. I can't do all the work that I want to do and I know that I could be doing to grow my business necessarily because I just don't have enough hours in the day. If I, you know, try to think I'm having it all, I've actually been there before and you end up getting burnout because you don't look after yourself you come last in everything your sleep drops off you get to bed too late you're up early and it actually sucks the joy out of life and so while it's sustainable for a very short period of time it ends up causing I guess I think a much more negative impact overall Mm. yeah and I have to say this is precisely why your planning with kids has become one of Australia's most popular (laughs) blogs parenting blogs I should say because you you're practicing what you're preaching you you're walking the talk and you know you're coming at it from a real place of experience but also care and wanting to um, help support others too and you know we'd love to know you know how was your own story of raising five children and still raising five children and, and being a busy uh, businesswoman as well how's that shaped your passion for playing with kids and also your latest business in adapt drinks yeah like I have uh, I just see I think that as I've grown through so obviously I've been um, my kids are now you know I've got like only two left in school both in secondary school and the others are all uh, uni or working Um, but I've seen I think even in that time I think even more pressure on women and mums to just do so many miraculous things with their life and to with their kids and and what I've tried to do is to try to um, share what I've learned along the way and to try to um, I guess take some of that pressure off and to sort of say it's okay not to be perfect and it's okay that you make a choice Um, you know I'm sort of very big about like kids don't have to do you know 5,000 after school activities and I even wrote um, a post I think it was an email newsletter that was really well um, received it was like you don't have to watch every game that your kid plays of sport that's actually okay so I try to sort of role model through it and that I've just found that I've got so much out of working with with the women I do online but what I have seen over the last few years is just the increase in women feeling stressed they are they're feeling slightly anxious and it tends to be a couple of things that's making them feel that way and it's that they are feel like they're pulled in lots of directions that they they want to do so so many things so well and that's really really hard and and they're often doing it in an environment where they um a lot of them won't be having as much support at home as they would like you know they they, they feel like their kids aren't doing enough but then they try to do things for their kids and so what I've tried to do is is to you know build them in some baby steps that they can start to you know do it without feeling guilt because then women who take time out for themselves and sometimes feel quite guilty about it but what I've done with adapt was um you know, having seen the stress levels um, in Australia, there's a bit of a, a drinking culture in terms of like, oh, it's a bad day. I'm really tired. I'm really stressed. I want to have a drink. And I can completely understand that. Like, you know, I can remember so many times when I could never, you know, I was working from home part-time, had five kids, and I just wanted to see another adult at the end of the day so I could just hand over and switch off and go here now 
because there's, there's literally two shifts in the day. There's the shift from sort of nine to sort of five or nine to sort of three with the kids. And then you're sort of going on to then the, the hectic schedule of getting kids barbed and bed and fed and all that sort of stuff. But there's a, you almost need like a moment at the end of the day. And so I understand why when we would sort of go for having a gin and tonic or a glass of wine. But I think as we all really know that it doesn't help the way we think it helps. It takes the edge off because that's what a lot of women would say to me. They just want something to take the edge off at the end of the day. And so I, I put a lot of thought into it and I wanted to come up with an alternative that people could have at the end of the day that would be like something to get them through that transition time from the daytime to the nighttime when you're switching into those modes, but that would make them feel a little bit relaxed. It would take the edge off like, a, you know, and that often people say that they would feel like wound and they, you know, they almost just wanted to unclench their shoulders. And, you know, now that I know you could imagine that you could teach them some breathing techniques and all those sorts of things. And absolutely, they will all work. And I think that they're needed. And I think we need to do more of it. What I was trying to do was interrupt a pattern that someone already has, because, you know, within the habit cycle, you've sort of got a cue, you've got a behavior and a reward. So the way it sort of works is people are feeling a bit stressed, that's the cue, they have, a, they have a glass of wine, it takes the edge off, that's the reward. So I've sort of created a drink called Relax, um, hence its name, it's, it's aimed to do that in a natural way. So it's got um, adaptogenic herbs in it and L-theanine, which is an amino acid that actually creates relaxation without drowsiness. And I really just want to do it to give women a choice that there's a healthier alternative and and just to sort of say yep you know have your Friday night drinks and whatever but if Monday to Thursday you know maybe have something else that helps take the edge off and and give them an option because I think they're, they're sort of like an all or nothing mentality well am I going to have that or have nothing and just wanted to provide an option. Do you know, um, Nicole, you've hit on something there that, you know, we all love to have a drink and I'm not a huge drinker, but I do love a gin and soda with lots of lime and a bit of mint in it. Um, and like it or love it, there is some research there that's really pointing to decreasing that alcohol consumption through perimenopause and menopause. And I, I, I know myself that I was never a big champagne drinker, but I felt like when I when I had you know years ago when I was having a, a you know a glass or two of it the next day I would feel like I've been hit by a bus yeah. um, and that has happened since I've got older so I don't touch the stuff anymore um, and I just love that adapt gives that uh, alternative and I think that um, you know part of what I do I'm not telling women not to drink but I think there's a real um a real idea around decreasing the amount of alcoholic drinks that we are having because it does play up with our hormones as we're entering this different part and phase of our life. So, and I think that's to look at some of the options that are there and you make a great point about, you know, Monday to Thursday, you might do the non-alcoholic and then, you know, have a few drinks on the weekend. So, and I love the point that you brought up about the pressure that women are feeling and, you know, that uh, amount of FOMO, it all adds yeah. to that stress, doesn't it? And look, and I've been there. It's like, oh, like my son was in, in the ACC sports yesterday and I, you couldn't go there and I missed his run at 11.30 and I felt this real attack of guilt. It's like, oh, my God, I was so involved in my work and I forgot to do it. And it's like, no, just take a breath, Lise, like, he, and he said to me, Mum, it's okay. So we create that pressure and stress ourselves oh, and we absolutely. do that shooting and pressure and FOMO constantly, which is adding to that stress where we feel like we need that drink at the end of the day. 
Totally. And I think your point is right, like about in terms of the age and, and, and hitting into different phases of your journey, like where we are now with perimenopause, is that um, I, like yourself, I'm not a big drinker, but I had a few drinks the other day and like it was sort of later in the evening and I went to bed and I went to bed, went off to sleep fine. I woke up at midnight and felt so terrible and it, it wasn't enough to, you know, and it was just bad. And it's, it's super, the, the interesting thing about alcohol is that it's actually like a sedative. So that's why people often will want to have a glass of alcohol, but it doesn't actually allow you to get in your natural sleep cycle. It basically just, um, makes you lose consciousness and so what happens is that sleep that you get is of poorer quality and even if you don't know it it actually makes you up makes you wake up a lot overnight and so that's why you wake up you know I did go back to sleep relatively sort of quickly but it was like I, I probably must have woken multiple times over the night because I woke up just feeling like I'd had about two hours sleep yeah. and that's and, and at my age now and where I'm at if I have a night of sleep like that it takes me another couple of nights to actually recover from and so I've just naturally drank less because I'm not prepared. And this sort of comes about embracing where I am. Like I could fight that and still try to do those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, it takes away from all the other stuff that I want to do. And I think sometimes you need to get into a form of like acceptance of where you are and what stage of your life. And if you want to fight against it and still do that, you need to know it comes with a pretty heavy price. And for me, I'm not prepared to pay that price. I still mm. like to get up early in the morning and run. And I'd like to spend, like, I don't want to spend a whole day, you know, trying to recover and, and get sleep during the day. Cause that's, I love to be outside and that sort of stuff. So I think that there is, and there is actually so much research too, in just terms of general health and cancer risks and stuff for women. And I think that's just not something that's talked about a lot. Cause I, and I don't like to be doom and gloom. And I don't talk about that when I'm marketing my drink or anything like that, but there are serious like increased risks from drinking, you know, a considerable amount of alcohol. And um, for me that, you know, those risks are just not worth it. Mm. And I love, you know, and that's why we love your adapt drinks. We all, um, Lisa and I both brought a carton for summertime here in Australia just recently, but you know, you've made a drink and a product out of, you know, you know, science and research and change behavior and, you know, a deep entrenched passion to want to make a difference. You haven't just made a drink to sell it out there and, you know, make a, a quick quid. It's really about, you know, really driving home this message. And as you said, you don't talk about the doom and gloom behind it, but you, you do it from a point of view that, you know, this is going to support your health and well-being. And, you know, it's more about the behavior change and the habit that you've got of going to the fridge and getting your champagne or, or your, your vodka or whatever your um, preference is. So, you know, grab one of these instead. And, and, you know, that's what we really love about your message and your drink that it's, yeah, there's a lot of thoughtfulness and love and care behind, behind your drinks. And that's what we love about it. It really, I really have put a lot into it because like I've personally known a number of women who've probably ended up with some issues with alcohol and it's, it's so hard when you're down yeah. there and even, even other women, you know, what, it's that aren't having issues with it it's not serving them as best it could and there's sort of two adapted herds in the drink one is shisandra berry and the other is panax ginseng and there's actually fabulous research on shisandra berry showing it actually helps with menopause systems yes. symptoms they actually um did a placebo-based trial and it showed significant reduction in things like hot flushes issues with sleep and that sort of stuff so um even from that basis it there's and so the, the drink is designed for women like i, I everything i put in there was a 
about with with a modern woman in mind and a, mo- a modern woman who um, does love because I love the energy and stress of my life because there is I think you need some stress in your life to you know that goal setting requires stress to you know you know you, you want to set a target for your business or your running or whatever happens to be but you also don't want to be living on stress all the time so it's about having some you know um, a, a, a balance um, but not be, not pushing it too far to the to the stress side of things all the time. Mm, spot on. You, you know, Nicole, you mentioned a lot, you know, we've talked about the shooting and the FOMO and things like that. And in particular, do you, do you have any um, advice or tips for women who want to change things up and go against the grain of the shoots for, you know, the, your, 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 um, your, the people out there that you're writing to and you're doing your blogs and any feedback that's coming there, any tips that you can share? Yeah, absolutely. Like every year I write myself a personal goal statement and it has a single goal focus. And underneath that, I have a few habits that I like to set every year to that basically um, supports my goal of achievement. Because goal setting is great, but when you set a goal, it can be like such a big ominous thing sitting up there it's like well what do I focus on every day um and one of the things that women have found who like loads of them have taken on this process and it's so wonderful to see and they share their goal with me is that when you have a clear purpose and a clear goal it actually reduces stress because you know what is the most important thing to you because I used to do that thing where I'd set about 10 to 12 different little goals like I want to do this 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 and this and so, um, you know, so this year I'm all about, um, you know, em- embracing, um, uh, you know, spending time learning and developing myself um, so that I can actually understand more about the world around me. And that's really important. So when it comes to where am I going to spend my time, am I going to spend my time like scrolling on my phone or am I going to pick up the book, you know, at currently I'm reading um, Talking to My Country by Stan Grant. Oh, I'm going to pick up that book and I'm going to read it. So yeah, that's the, that's the, that's actually I don't have to think about that. This is the decision that's going to help me move towards my goal. Um, and people, you know, it's a, focusing on something that's quite single-minded. People get really like, oh, but what about everything else? Do you just like drop all of the balls? There's a sort of a bit of a theory known as domino theory. It's like when you're working on something with purpose and you're getting that feedback that you're achieving something, it actually has a domino effect that you actually things just start coming along with you. It's not like I neglect everything else, but it comes to the most, the biggest problem women have is like, where do they spend our time that I have? And if you don't know where you want to spend your time, you end up feeling more stressed and doing more of the shoulds because you don't know where it is. Because mm-hmm. often the, the big, the big call you get from women is I just wish I had more time. And I and one of the things when I'm doing some coaching, I say, what would you like to do with that time? And then there's a pause it's like, oh, I just, you know, some time by myself. Yeah. Okay. So what does that actually look like? And for me this year, that time looks like reading and it's about going out and seeing some small events. Like, you know, I've been, went and saw the Bark Ladies exhibition. So I know what to do with my spare time when it comes. And I don't just wait for it to fall into my lap either. Um, once you have a goal and you know what you want, you can start to schedule things in to help you achieve it. And then you start to actually start running against the shoulds and start running against people crowding out your diary. Because what happens is, if you know, friends are wonderful and they'll invite you to things and that's fantastic. Yeah, I'll come, I'll do that. But if that's not where you want to be spending your time, 
then you look back over the month and say, like, oh, that was great, but I didn't want to do this. Whereas if you're put, you're being proactive, so like I just organised, um, I'm seeing Claire Bowditch next month with a couple of girlfriends. I got on the front foot. That's what I would like to do. So I've invited them. So I'm going to see these two girlfriends next month, but it's sort of like, I'm, I'm, and they, I know they'll love it as well, but I'm sort of being proactive. So if you know what you want, you can start to schedule it in. When you schedule it in, things happen. Because what often happens is we might have a goal, but then we don't actually do any of the, the scheduling and the planning for it, which means you get halfway through the year and you feel like you've not achieved anything. Yeah, and we, we tend to say yes to a lot of things that we actually don't want to do. Yeah, because it's hard to say no. Yeah. Like my, my sister had a spare ticket for a little jagged pill last Friday night. And it, it, I think it was about 10 days out. She um, she messaged me to say that she had that. And I hadn't seen her for a little bit. And I would love, you know, I'm, I'm always up for going seeing something new. But I knew I had a busy week that week. And I said to her, I would really love to do it, but it's just not a good week for me. So I'm not going to come. Yeah. And it's it's hard to say that sometimes. But if but you know what? I was so happy on Friday night when I didn't have to get dressed at six o'clock and go into the city. Um, and I tried it. One of one of the, a great bit of advice. It's like if you get asked to do something, and it's in the future, because we often leave our problems to our future selves to deal with. It's like, would you do it today? And if I don't think I'd want to do it today, then maybe it shouldn't be getting in my diary because often we'll go, oh, yeah, I'd love to catch up. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And so then you schedule a date like a month or two down the track, but then your future you has to deal with that. And so you're just actually pushing a problem further down the track because like at my heart of hearts, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So I find saying no challenging. But when anyone said to me, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't make it. I never take any offense to that. And it's like you have to remind yourself this person it's not going to take offense to it. It's fine. They're just going to know that I'm protecting my time and that I can't fit it now. And that's okay. So we have to remember, um, I think we're our own worst enemies when we start to think about what is going to be the reaction. If I say no, most of the time it's like, oh, okay, no worries. Another time, which is pretty much 100% what everyone says. Oh my goodness. Nat and I, Nat and I are actually sitting here um, for the listeners here, just nodding our head like a little, one of those little uh, cats that you see in one of the, you know, those shops going, yeah, yeah, you're, you know, so, so on par with you there. So, yeah, beautiful, beautiful advice. And I have to say, I'm glad that you said yes to being on our podcast yeah. because you're, you're a wealth of knowledge and, um, and just, yeah, your whole nature and energy is really, really inspiring. And I'm sure our listeners will absolutely just love listening to you. So, yes, thank you for saying yes to us. Oh, no, it was an absolute pleasure. Very, very happy to be here because I'm actually, this does work with my business passion. It's like connecting with women, helping other women. And one of the other things I'm really, really big on too, is there's so many women like yourselves and myself. I just had um, a catch up with someone this morning who's also making a non-elk drink. Um, I just think women need to support each other. Like where the woman I met with Frances, she's lovely and um, from one roof and um, we're very like-minded. We're in the same market, but we're also quite different, but it doesn't mean we can't help each other. Like, you know, I don't think that we have to operate in a um you know a, a win at all cost like only one can be the winner I think there's a lot of room for, for a lot of people to have success and I think that the more you can build others up with you the more naturally that um, others will build you up as well and it becomes more of a whole supportive ecosystem yes as Nat always says to me there's room for everyone one thousand percent on that yes. yeah definitely yeah 
So where can our listeners find you, Nicole? I'm sure they're eager at the bit to go and uh, look up where you are. <laughs> Great. I'm pretty easy to find. So if you're just interested in the Adapt Drinks, it's adaptdrinks.com.au and it's Adapt Drinks on Insta and Facebook. Um, if you, you know, more about family organizing, goal setting, I have a lot of stuff on goal setting. Um, my blog is planningwithkids.com. And if you just put like goal in, um, I actually have my goal on the sidebar about what I'm searching, what I'm, what I'm working on this year. Um, um, you can find lots of stuff like that. And there's lots of um, free resources on the blog. Like I literally have a step-by-step process of how I set my goal. And, um, you know, and I share quite every month, I turn up on the blog and say how I'm going. And I'm very honest. Some months are great. And some months I don't do much at all. Like it's, the, you know, I, um, one year I set my, one of the habits I was trying to set was to stop complaining um, and to not complain. And it took me... <laughs> I wanted I wanted to have 30 days in a row where I didn't complain and that and it's funny because people go well does that mean you just have to accept everything bad around you and it's like no there's a real difference between going oh my god kids why are you doing that that's so annoying I'm so sick of you doing that where I could say to them it makes me feel really unhappy when you do that I would prefer if you could please just go and put your plate straight into the dishwasher they had two different things it took me six months to get 30 days of not straight of not complaining so I'm very realistic I'm not perfect I have lots of flaws that I continually work on and I think that's what um my audience relates to what a lot of the stuff that I share that works is because I've done so many things with my family that hasn't worked first and I can share the good bits of the highlight reel sort of um this is this is a structure and I'm not very much that you should do this either it's like this is what works for my family try it on I call myself a bowel bird and I do this in all aspects of life I see things that I think oh that looks good I'm going to try that on and if it's good and it works and it makes things better I stick with it but if I if if it doesn't work then it it just goes as an experiment and I, I just like to think that we need to experiment a lot to see what works for us personally what works for our families and what works in our business life you know, Nicola, as Natalie um, alluded to at the start of the conversation, I found you, so I had my first child in when I turned um, 35, and um, I found you not long after he was born, and um, your website was just so extremely helpful when my kids were little, and just trying to navigate, I was doing a corporate job then and trying to navigate all of that, and um, so I'd really um, encourage you know, if there's some younger women um, listening to the, our podcast to go out and have a look at your um, your website because it, it is full of fantastic resources. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much again, Nicole. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you here on our podcast. Likewise. It was great chatting. Thank you both. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.